What's up, Gen Xers? Welcome back to the water cooler. It's good to be back with you again. It's been a busy week and an eventful weekend. I hope things are going well in your corner of the Gen X universe. I hope you and your kids enjoyed your Halloween weekend as we now flip the calendar and head into November and and soon Thanksgiving and, and the... Uh, end of year holidays so hope everything is going well in your corner of the world and certainly a lot better than joe biden at the vatican i don't know if you heard this but i tell you i i thought before that let's go brandon was one of those gifts that keep on giving and will just never get old but being mistaken i found another gift that is i think going to outpace Let's go, Brandon, and that is hashtag poopy pants Biden. <laughs> I don't know if you heard this, but the inner 10-year-old in me is still giggling. Apparently, Joe Biden and his trip to Italy and the the uh, economic uh, summit that he's going to, the G8 summit, he uh, took some time to tour the Vatican, which in, his, in itself is... Not too remarkable, being that he is Catholic and and the sitting Pope is somewhat more of a progressive, left-wing, left-wing-leaning guy. So not too surprising, but apparently his visit took a little bit longer because at the end, <laughs> apparently Joe Biden had an issue. He had some kind of accident. That needed to be remedied. <laughs> and hashtag poopy pants Biden was born. Oh my goodness. I just, that guy. <laughs> and then if if the gifts weren't going to stop there, you saw those videos of him at the, the, the economic forum where at this point they were prattling on about some climate change nonsense. And dude is sitting there. And just nodding off and, and trying to fight and going to sleep just like your grandpa after Thanksgiving dinner. And, oh boy, you know, I, and on one hand, I, I, I feel for the guy. I mean, this is an octogenarian and he's uh, operating as president of the United States. And he's clearly just physically, uh, it's, it's, it's a toll on him. I, you can just see it. it, it he does not look well. He's not well, and it's just it's just awful. Now, bad, you know, puns and and giggles aside, and you know, I you just can't help but notice and recognize the just awful, awful, awful image that that portrays on the world stage. It's bad enough that ha- that happens at all. It's bad enough that you have a president whose faculties are continuously in question. But you would hope that in a meeting with economic leaders and, and international leaders around the globe, that dude would be able to pull himself together and keep the crap in his pants and stay awake and be engaged in what's going on. Now, again, in, in fairness to, <clears throat> to Joe Biden, if I were sitting at, at that summit talking about climate change, I would be nodding off too. So I'm not going to hold him to too much of an unrealistic standard on that. However, you just can't ignore the optics. And, and in our digital world, in our 
quick instant media TikTok clip culture, the look of the sitting president nodding off at a climate summit is a bad one. And it's just, I, oh, damn again. Like I said many times before, this is what happens when you vote against a guy rather than voting for a guy. <clears throat> But it's been a year since the his election, and it's certainly been an eventful one, and one that I think is going to have some ramifications, as we'll talk about in a second. But uh, when he's not crapping his pants and falling asleep at a climate summit, he or his administration is proposing reparations. Now, reparations, you say? Yes, yeah, not the kind of reparations that they're handing around in Evanston, Illinois. No, no, no. He, or his administration at least, is proposing to give any uh, illegal uh, immigrant that was separated from their family or their children at the border reparations to the tune of 450000 per person. Ah. <sighs> That one, it's tough to know what you want to poke holes at first. But my immediate reaction when I heard that, first of all, you got to think that's just not for real. There's, there's no way. But part of me had to think about all of those leaders and civil rights leaders in the, in the black community who for decades have been, in some form or another, been advocating for or pushing for slavery reparations on some level. Now that's passed in, in Evanston, Illinois, and it's been proposed in many different iterations and to no avail. And here, the Biden administration, among a, a crisis at the border that they both caused and cannot control, are now, uh, at least on some level, proposing reparations and payouts to those as of yet, non-citizens, almost half a million dollars per person. Can you imagine being in their shoes and thinking, I've supported you forever. I've had my community support you forever. And here you're going to abandon my idea and give reparations to that extent to a different group of people? Can you imagine being in their shoes? You'd think they'd be fit to be tied. And again, that's not even calling into question how this is going to be paid for. What's going to qualify that people for that payout? Is this going to include some kind of amnesty? Now, it just, it just boggles the mind to, to the extent that you think it's it can't be real, or maybe it's just moving the Overton window and they're going to come back and propose something still crazy but less crazy, like say 100000 each, or maybe just say, okay, well, instead of giving them half a million dollars, we'll just uh, give them amnesty and call it square. Who knows what is really going on here, but I just, again, I, I can't imagine what it's like being in, in those folks' shoes, uh, particularly in a week where the optics for this dude is so so bad ah oh, it's just just one of those things all right shifting gears a bit i saw that the trial for kyle rittenhouse is starting in kenosha which is something that sparked my interest and, and not just from the, the newsworthy standpoint but the fact that uh, kenosha is just 
right across the border from where I am and not far at all. And, and I, I know people who on some level of, of some kind of relationship with the Rittenhouse family and are aware of him. So it's just, it's something that certainly caught my eye. And certainly as the, as the trial starts, I saw that there was a new video that was released. Now who had this and why it's being released now? I don't know, but it certainly calls into question the popular narrative of of this being some racial attack and some reckless attack uh, by this gun-toting uh, vigilante. Um, in, in this video I saw, you can see uh, Kyle Rittenhouse running down the street. You know, he's, he's calling out to, to people or anyone that can hear a medic, medic, who needs medical, who needs medical, who needs medical. And in very short order, guns start firing. He gets chased, and then all, all, uh, all chaos breaks loose, and and you know two are dead, and and one is injured. And as the trials begins, uh, a detective has testified that uh, during the events and preceding uh, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse shooting and killing those two guys and maiming someone else. That he was being shot at, you know, and, and when you take in all the facts, again, I can't think of how anybody who is objectively looking at this, again, unless you're just a pure ideologue, and there are t- certainly tons of those, but how you can look on this objectively as anything other than self-defense. Now, you could argue and have a fair debate as to whether or not he should have been there with a gun. You know, he's 17 years old. What in the world was he doing there? You could argue and debate why he was there at all. And I think you would have very valid points on both regard. However, as it played out, self-defense seems to be very clear. And it makes you think, if this isn't self-defense, what is? I mean, good Lord, he had this guy who is a convicted pedophile and dropping end bombs and saying, shoot me, you're not going to shoot me, you're not going to shoot me. And then he runs after the guy with a fire extinguisher trying to wrestle his gun away. You're going to tell me that's not self-defense? Or you have the uh, wife beater who's running after him, screaming, get his gun, get his gun, and and is swinging a skateboard deck at his skull. Or another dude who's saying, let's get him, let's kill him running after him with a pistol and you're going to tell me none of those three dudes pose some kind of threat to Kyle Rittenhouse and that he wasn't in fear of his life in that moment and that he wasn't justified as shooting his weapon to protect himself in those situations in each of those three circumstances in my mind clearly it was clearly it's self-defense clearly this shouldn't even be getting to this point in a trial although it does seem like he has a fair judge so we will see how that plays out um you know some people were were rankled that you know, he, he wouldn't let the prosecutors refer to those guys as victims which is apparently standard in these types of cases because that's that kind of phrasing is is uh, is biased but they weren't happy about that and you know, we'll, we'll see how the how the trial goes the next couple of weeks but again in my mind it seems to be you know a slam dunk case of self-defense 
But again, you can argue and I think make a, a correct argument and, and case that for a number of reasons that kid, he should not have been there and he certainly shouldn't have been armed and that only, only went to make things worse. But be that as, may, as it may, clearly self-defense. Uh, and getting back to the giggle world, um, I saw one of, another very funny story this past week involving uh, Ibram X. Kennedy. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this guy, but he is, if not the author, but certainly one of the key proponents of anti-racism. And, and when you hear that, you think, oh, that's that sounds uh, fine. I'm all on board with that. I'm, I'm against racism. You know, so am I, I am. I, I believe who you are and just about everybody else out there is is as well but no and that doesn't anti-racism does not mean against racism to people like ibram x kennedy um anti-racism to him is effectively racism i mean it means like you you like have to be actively uh not just in lockstep with him but actively promoting against all all racism in the form of woke ideologies and it's just certainly not at all what you would think it would mean but he he uh tweeted out uh retweeted this story over the this past week that where that showed where studies showed that a, a majority of of white kids like college age kids i mean maybe even been around like 60 percent on at least at some point has have lied about their race when needing to declare it, and um, it, like say if if you're trying to get admissions to college or in applying for a scholarship, and uh, you know a, a good portion of those you were lying saying that they were Native American or or at least partially Native American and so on and so forth. Well, Ibram X. Kennedy retweets this article, not realizing that the point of that article was was completely undercutting his entire life's work. <laughs> and then once he realized, when people called it out on him, he quickly deletes it. And well, of course, in our digital space, nothing is ever temporary. Nothing ever is deleted and gone away. And so people were sharp enough to screen grab it and then were, were mocking him to no end. And of course, he, in response, cried racism for that and, and what have you. But essentially, effectively, what... He was retweeting, did not mean at all what he thought it means. Because in this culture and country of ours where he claims is is systemically racist, to the extent that if you are born white, you have such inherent advantages that you can skate through life and with little effort and have everything handed to you at the expense of those who are minorities and life is just easy for you when you're white. Where that study actually shows is quite the opposite, that white kids view their own race, their birth race, as an impediment, so much so that they need to misrepresent that when applying to college or applying for scholarships. Because not only do they not believe that being white is an advantage, they t- actually think that being white 
puts him at a disadvantage, just the complete opposite of what he was trying to say. And it's, it's just, it, it tickled me and made me laugh. I love when people are just make a fool of themselves without realizing it. And, and uh, Ibram X. Kennedy certainly did that. And he probably doesn't need too much help to do that, but he certainly did. I also saw recently where um, you know, Rachel Levine, you know, she's the the transgendered uh, health official from Pennsylvania in the Biden administration is was uh, appointed as the you know first openly transgendered four-star officer in the armed forces and but that's not how it was played it was played that you know Rachel Levine is the first female four-star officer in the US armed forces and you know, how groundbreaking that was and so on and I just thought that was so odd and a number of reasons. Well, first, if you want to say that Rachel Levine is the first openly transgender four-star, gen, you know, blah, 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 you know, fine. You can, you can make that statement and, and call it significant, if, if you will. I have no problem with that. But the problem with referring to Rachel Levine as the first woman four-star officer is that's just not true. <laughs> There was one actually quite a bit ago who was actually a a black woman who was the first four-star <laughs> officer in the U.S. Armed Forces. So without even getting into the whole gender discussion, you're just factually inaccurate on calling Rachel Levine the first. And again, it's just one of those things where it makes me just wonder what in the, what the world these people have against women. I mean, why is calling someone a woman so controversial. In fact, Margaret Atwater, who is the author of A Handmaid's Tale, a Handmaid's Tale um, which, you know, the books, which eventually became the, it was a TV series, you know, she would, came under fire this past week of saying, you know, why can't we say women anymore? Why is it so controversial to say woman? Because for some reason, a woman being proud to be a woman somehow... Uh, discludes any transgendered person somehow. I, it's it's just weird to me between this and transgendered people com- competing in women's athletics. Why women aren't allowed to just be women? And why, we, you know, we we keep, we've, we've devised all these programs and things so that women are not discriminated against so that they have you know opportunities that they might not otherwise have and here we have these policies that are now put them at a disadvantage again you know, it's just really really weird to me it seems to be backwards and the opposite of what we're trying to accomplish here it's just i just find it really weird and now to my favorite story of the week and one that i'm still giggling about is this past week in the first tuesday of november there were elections around the country none of any significance where i live but in a number of states there were chief among those being uh, governor races in new jersey and vermont and meant vermont virginia many of people saw these as sort of a precursor to the midterm elections a year from now and certainly the first litmus test on the Biden administration and what voters think of of the job that he's doing, which you know objectively is not good given the state of the economy and immigration and energy and so on. You can just 
rattle off. It's been a rough, rough first year for uh, this administration. But in the past couple of weeks, though, and it it shifted from not just being a referendum on Joe Biden, but also a referendum on all woke and radical left policies on a local level. And you saw that really get stirred up in a number of school board meetings and where parents have just had enough of of woke ideology being shoved into curriculum and in schools all around the country, whether it's critical race theory, critical gender theory, critical theory in general, or um, mask mandates or any number of things that are just being shoved down our kids' throats. Parents have had enough. You know, they, they're getting tired of of everything being taught through a prism of sexuality and, and, and teaching kids these vulgar, disgusting lessons at a shocking young age. And you've had parents go in and read from these books that kids are given, are assigned, and the school boards and people there are outraged that they would read this out loud and they're saying, man, there are kids present. Well, there are kids in their freaking schools that are actually getting to have this shoved down their throat and they, they feign... They feign uh, incredulence. It's just, it's just so bizarre, and they, they've even gone so far as to to refer to parents who have objections at school board meetings, domestic terrorists. You know, cases in Loudoun County, Virginia, where their gender policies have resulted in the sexual assault and rape of more than one girl in a bathroom. And it, the list goes on and on, and you see these parents around the country that have just had enough. And you saw that backlash in swift fashion. Um, Young, what's his name? Youngkin in Virginia. He's a Republican. He won the governorship in that state, and it was quite a shock because up until a couple of weeks ago, he was not polling well. And he just took a remarkable turn and was able to win that election. And the backlash has been swift. It's been harsh. And it has been fun. (laughs) I loved watching the meltdown the night of the elections and the, the morning after. It has just been a treat. I have eaten it up. And I just love, 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 love hearing them just bellyache because they they just don't get it. They don't realize that they themselves are contributing to this environment and and people just having enough. And the backlash against the governorship in Virginia predictably was blamed on racism and white supremacy and on and on and on and on and on. Now, you can shoot holes in that to your blue in the face and, and never convince anybody otherwise. So you know, I won't attempt to do that. I, I, I don't really care, but because it doesn't really take much effort to do that. Um, as evidenced by a couple of very uh, key points and very easy points to make. First of which being, while uh, Yunkin won uh, the governor, the lieutenant governor in Virginia was won by a woman named Winsome Sears. And her election was significant for a number of reasons. First being, I believe she is the first black female to win a statewide election and statewide office in the state of Virginia ever. <laughs> so as much as people want to uh, 
give some kudos for Rachel Levine for being groundbreaking. Winsome Sears is a groundbreaking uh, individual in her own right. Now, she is a Jamaican immigrant. She's a Marine. She has a master's degree. She run a homeless shelter for several years. And on the surface of it, seems like the exact type of individual you would want running a statewide office. Like the exact type of individual who would be tapped into the needs of the community and would do well and has the experience helping people less fortunate than than her and, and people in her community. So kudos to her for not only the things that she's done up till now, but for winning that election, even though it'll go unnoticed by the press at large and certainly the Wokarati on Twitter. But contrary to the cries of racism in Virginia, uh, you know, she certainly does not fit that narrative. Neither does the fact that Virginia has a very interesting pattern of their governorship elections. And, and you know, obviously their governor's elections are the year after the presidential general elections. And out of the past 11 state governor elections, all but one of them were won by the candidate opposite the party of the sitting president. The past 11 governor elections in Virginia, all of them, regardless of, of the demographics of the governor and candidate and anyone in the, in the Oval Office, the opposite party wins 10 out of the last 11 governor elections in Virginia. And you're going to call this one racist and white supremacist. Ah, you know, you gotta, you're making a tough case, you know, and I'm just, I'm not convinced. And of course, the last being that the outgoing governor in Virginia is on some level a a blackface enthusiast. You know, we, we still don't know whether in his college yearbook, if he was the, the one in blackface or the one in the KKK garb, regardless, on some level, he's a very insensitive costume enthusiast. <laughs> the sitting Democrat governor of Virginia, blackface enthusiast. And you're going to say that the election of a Republican governor is based on white supremacy. Yeah, I'm just not convinced. But in that, it was, it was interesting seeing that one go down. The uh, Republican narrowly lost in New Jersey, but it was much, much closer than you would have thought. And again, these are states who went very heavily for Joe Biden just you know, 12 months ago. And for you know, these largely based on these local concerns, you know, they have gone the other way. Um, the Minneapolis voted to keep their police, so they don't want to hashtag defund their police. I thought that was interesting. And the other interesting, uh, interesting thing, too, is I saw I saw a thread on Twitter that, again, while everyone was focusing on this governor race in Virginia, detailed out the school board results across the country. And you could see all over the place, where it was, whether it would be Texas or Denver or I mean, all over, there was just a sweeping victory by anybody who was against critical race theory, woke woke policies in in schools, or wanting to give 
say back to parents or who work against mask mandates or so on, just across the board, you saw that over and over and over and over. And I thought that was very interesting because, again, these are local concerns and these are elections that really are not party based. You know, you don't vote for someone for your school board because they are a Republican or a Democrat. They're just dudes, right? They're just women and moms running to help and run the school board and help help the kids. And th- th- these aren't poly- party elections. And parents have had enough. You know, they've seen what's been going down the past year. You know, they've heard the lessons and things that are being taught to their kids during the remote learning period, and they're not happy with it, you know. And largely, that's us Gen Xers. You know, we, we are not happy with what is being taught to our kids. You know, we want to have the say. We don't want the government telling us what our kids are going to learn. We don't want the school or teachers dictating to us what our kids are going to learn. We want to be the ones who are saying what they're going to learn. And you certainly saw that across the board this past week, which I I thought was very interesting, but also fabulous. Now, touching base too, the, again, the, the other backlash I saw too in, in, in Virginia, again, not too on, uh, off topic of the, the racial backlash in Virginia, but I saw you know a group of people who is catching the, a lot of heat for that loss in Virginia by the Democrats, and that's white women voters. You know, white women voters, at least in, in Virginia in particular, voted very heavily for Joe Biden a year ago. This past election, no, they completely turned the other way. And somehow this has been interpreted as um, white women are a problem. They are you know, back to the 50s, blah, 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 blah. I mean, just a bunch of nonsense. I don't understand it. And it, you know, it seems like whenever... Whenever any demographic votes along the left-leaning lines, totally cool. But if they ever abandon that orthodoxy, there is hell to pay. And for some reason, white women are you know caught that ire. I just it's just bizarre. I I don't get it. You know, it just again seems like everything that these school boards have been pushing this past year have not been what parents want, and they're rejecting it. And it seems like calling them threats and dangerous and domestic terrorists for having a concern for their kid's school seems like a bad idea. You know, like as bad of an idea as, you know, marrying somebody with a history of mental illness. It's just a bad idea because you're, you're just not, uh, you're in for a rude awakening if if that's the case. And, and, And certainly it was with these school boards and, you know, they, Faced a very sharp defeat, and it'll be interesting to watch over the next calendar year if that defeat happens again, and if that if the prospect of another shellacking at the ballot box is going to stem the tide of this leftist lurch that we've seen just in this past first year alone. But we will keep our eye on that, certainly here at the water cooler. Now, real quick, last time... I want to acknowledge the Atlanta Braves winning the World Series for the first time since 1995. Good on them. I'm not an Atlanta Braves fan, but I am a fan of the National League, so it's always good to see a National League team win, particularly one that was going up against the Houston Astros and the cheating scandal that they were embroiled in a couple of years ago. And it's just good to see see that happen again. And and I, I was happy for Freddie Freeman and and many others of the team. And that stupid, annoying tomahawk chant, notwithstanding, they certainly deserve their World Series win. So 
congrats to them. Kudos to them. And now we will endure the long dark of Moria throughout the winter months as we wait it out and look forward to spring training and another season kicking off next April. So with that, I hope everything is well with you. I hope you've enjoyed watching all this nonsense as much as I have and you've been able to get as much of good belly laughs as I have because Lord knows you deserve it. So have a good week and we will see you next time. Shout out to Bill Buckner. Till next time, Gen X. Whatever. <laughs>